Hello and welcome. I am Kim Keen, host of the One of a Kind You podcast. I started this podcast to share my journey of my past self, a woman who was struggling with leaving her teaching career and adjusting to stay-at-home mom life to help other women with their motherhood journeys or their work-life balance journeys so they can let go, make themselves a priority without all the sacrificing. If you are a regular listener to One of a Kind You, Welcome back. I'm so excited to have you join me for another episode. If you are new here, thank you so much for taking the time to stop by and check it out to see what I have to offer. So the way this podcast usually works is that I share a drone on tree of mine from about five or six years ago. Actually, it's almost seven now, which is hard to believe. And I reflect on what I know now and what I wish I had known then. And so this journal entry is a part two entry um, because I shared the first part of it on the previous episode that I aired last week. Um, But this journal entry dates from June 23rd of 2016. And so um, the place where I left off, I write, the other thing that is weighing on me is that Pete is jumping into CrossFit headfirst and adjusting his schedule to make it happen, but doesn't accommodate my schedule like that. I addressed it very calmly, but inside I was devastated. Pete works a lot and I get that, but he does get a break. I rarely get a break. If anything, it is two to three hours per week. I try to keep it together because my job is to be home. More than anything, I just don't want to feel like I'm being taken advantage of. I want to feel like I matter and I'm a priority. Pete thanked me for trying to make myself a better person. I really am trying. And so this journal entry um, still kind of strikes a nerve with me, to be honest. So, um, and I think it really um, was raw back then um, because when I first started this journey um, of healing, I started therapy in 2014 thinking that I was having an identity crisis um, from leaving my teaching career. And on some level I was, but um, what I wasn't prepared for was all the other stuff that came up in therapy. And so when um, I would go to therapy, it was absolutely exhausting. I would cry for the whole hour and um, just be completely wiped out for the rest of the day. And um, would have at least Casey home with me sometimes, Lily too, uh, depending on if Lily was home from school. And there were days where I really just could have used someone to take care of the kids so that I could go and just sleep all day um, because I was literally that exhausted. And there were times where I actually had to bring Casey to therapy with me uh, because Pete wasn't able to stay home with her. So I would go to therapy, the earliest appointment that the therapist had, which was eight o'clock and, um, Pete would stay with Casey from eight to nine and he would meet me at therapy. I would put Casey in my car and he'd head on into the office and then I would drive Casey home. And we only lived, you know, 15 to 20 minutes from the therapist's office. Um, but he, you know, was in such a rush to get into the office and couldn't just allow me to leave therapy, drive home, collect myself in that 20 minutes, and then he could go to the office. And so there were times where I had brought this up in therapy that, you know, that I was just completely drained and didn't have anyone to help me. And then because I was drained, I would lash out at Casey and Lily and I wasn't being fully present and I was checking out a lot. And so I just didn't like that I wasn't being the present um, mom 
that I wanted to be, that I desired to be. And I just needed help sometimes, but I really didn't feel like I had anyone I could turn to for help. So um, what I did best was became even more self-reliant and um, had convinced myself that um, I didn't need anyone. And so, but at the same time, I was very aware of, you know, Pete tweaking his schedule to meet his needs. So if he needed to go to the dentist, the doctor, to get his hair cut, whatever the case may be, he would find a way to make it work into his schedule. He would go into the office late. He would leave early. He would go use his lunch break. He would make it happen. But I didn't have that ability. And so I would get really angry sometimes, you know, and say, oh, you know, you can adjust your schedule and your life for you, but you can't do that for the girls and me in return. And I just felt like that was really selfish and really um, self-centered on his part, uh, a little egotistical and uh, really, and then I, you know, would convince myself that he didn't love me. He didn't love the kids. He had no connection to us. Um, he would, you know, because of that, he would leave. So because he, he wasn't willing to accommodate my schedule, but he was willing to accommodate his own, it created all of these stories in my head about his love for us, what he really thought of us, how he really felt about us, you know, that he valued himself more, that it was, you know, he was always going to be the number one priority and we were always going to be the back on the back burner. And, you know, cause I had all of this evidence staring me in the face that said so. And so then, um, because every morning he would work out in our basement. So he would get up at five o'clock, he would work out for the hour, then he would get himself ready for work, shower, eat breakfast, all that while I got Lily ready for school. Casey um, was starting school at this point. And so um, then I would be the last one to get ready for the day. And so then when he started adjusting his schedule to be able to go to CrossFit class, I was like, wait a second, how is it that you, your work schedule is so chaotic, so stressful, so busy that you can't give me an hour one day a week or work from home one day a week so that I can go to these appointments, get all this emotional energy out, drain myself, deplete myself. And not have to focus on anything else. But yet you can somehow miraculously find the time in your work schedule to be able to do this. So I am very shocked that I approached the situation calmly. Because I can tell you that I didn't feel so calm about it. Of course I was angry and resentful. And like I said, I was devastated. Um, because I felt like I was sacrificing all the time for him. I was sacrificing all the time for the girls. They were my first priority. He was my first priority and I was always last on the list. So I felt like if I'm always last on the list for all of you, why can't I have a turn to be first on your list? Because you're first on mine and first on yours too. Like where am I the first priority? What list do I get to be first priority on? There was no list that I got to be first priority on. And that was so hurtful. And I think that was a trigger because I often felt that way growing up. I didn't feel like I was first priority for um, in my dad's list. I felt like my stepmom was. And then as my brothers came along, I felt like they were. And I didn't necessarily feel like I was first priority at my mom's house either because I had three older stepbrothers, one younger half brother. Um, 
and my mom had a lot on her plate. So I never really felt like I was the first priority. And I thought, okay, you know, I have this marriage where we're supposed to be partners, equals, and I'm still not the first priority. And so part of it was that I didn't use my voice enough with him. I didn't take a stand and say, absolutely not. You are not going to CrossFit until you can make, give me one day, uh, give me one morning. You know, it has to be a balance. It has to be um, a compromise. And so I felt like I was the one who was always compromising and he wasn't. And so I did not advocate strongly enough for myself because on some level, I didn't think that I could. You know, I just kind of took his word. It was like, oh, you know, he says he can't. So there must not be a way when it comes to me, but there is a way for him. And and I, I justified it. You know, well, he's super busy at work. He deserves time, you know, to to exercise and whatever the case may be. But I also was deserving of that time just as much as him. And so I didn't... Um, I didn't see myself. My brain said, Kim, you are equals with him. This relationship is 50-50. But my heart, my subconscious mind didn't have that same thought process because of all of the experiences that I had in life prior to being with Pete that said otherwise. And so I had this other narrative in my head that seemed more truth, more real, more believable. And so, um, so I didn't fight for myself. I didn't advocate for myself. I I literally rolled over and allowed it to happen. And now I don't because I know that, well, first of all, his schedule is different because, um, all of that changed because of the pandemic. And there are times where I joke with him and be like, Oh, funny how now you don't need to go in the office every day, all day. But prior to the pandemic, you did. And he laughs and chuckles. He's like, I know it's, you know, pretty ridiculous, but now I force him to, to help me. I force him to give me the time that I need. And I don't necessarily ask. I say, what will work for you? Let me know which day is going to work best for you. Because it's non-negotiable. If if his belief in me and my commitment to our children and our marriage and him is that I'm going to be there for him, I'm holding him to the same standard. It's just, it's not an option. And so I think the difference between my mindset now and then, well, first of all, is that, um, you know, because on some level that's very procedural. Oh, hold him accountable. Where's the accountability? Set the standard. Eliminate the double standard. That is very procedural. And it didn't work back then, almost seven years ago, because my mindset wasn't aligned with that. But now my mindset is different because I've done so much inner work, you know, that I recognize that I am worthy. I am an equal to him. And I should have that same privilege of time for myself that he has. And by wanting that, it doesn't make me a bad person. It doesn't make me a bad mom. It doesn't make me a bad partner. It doesn't make me irresponsible. It makes me human because I'm not a robot. I can't go 24 7, 365 full speed ahead. You'll burn out. I'll burn out. I've been there, done that. And so it's recognizing that I don't like running on autopilot is not a productive sane way to live and giving myself the ability to 
to turn off the autopilot mode so I can be the person that I want to be, not just for myself, but for my kids and my husband. And so recognizing like, okay, if Pete's not available to help me, I'm going to find someone who is. So relying on my parents more when my mom is in town from Arizona, asking her, hey, would you mind taking the kids? Asking my dad, asking my in-laws, asking a friend. I never asked a friend previously when my girls at this point in time in June of 2016, I did not ask my friends for help. I just didn't. It. I thought that I would be a burden to them. I thought it would be inconvenient. I thought they would think like, wow, she can't, she needs a break. Like, what is her problem? But now I have no problem saying, hey, would you mind grabbing my kids from school just for two hours so I can, you know, I have this errand to run that I need to take care of. Hey, would you let me know if you if you don't mind, could you do that? And then you give me a day in time and I'll do the same for you. And so really tapping into to my community, because at this point in time, I had one. Um, I didn't feel super connected to them because I wasn't really connected to myself. I wasn't connected really to Pete. I really wasn't didn't feel overly connected to my kids. Um, So there was just this massive amount of disconnection. And so uh, looking back, I'm like, wow, I wish I had tapped into my community, my support, the support network of friends and family that I had that would have been happy to help me had I said something, had I spoken up and, and telling Pete, honestly, you know, this is unacceptable. You are not going to continue to put me on the back burner and really laying it out there for him and not rolling over the minute that he says, well, you know, sorry that you feel that way. Thanks for trying to be a better person and allowing that to be the end of it. No, Mm-mm-mm. you know, and it's funny now because I have to put myself in check because sometimes I get carried away with my expression um, and my communication and uh, what I'm thinking and feeling and needing and wanting and all of those things that sometimes it's almost like the pit bull going through for the throat. Um, So I have to find the checks and balance. And that took time because for a long time, I was like a loose cannon. As soon as we would have a conversation, he would get defensive and then I would completely lose my mind and I would lash out and become this raging lunatic. And now I can, I can breathe through it better. And I recognize that no matter what he says, I don't, I can't control that. But what I can control is what I say, how I show up. And so really, really working on that and saying, you know what, this isn't getting anywhere right now. I need to take a step back and we need to finish this conversation later. And while we're having this little, you know, pause in the conversation, can you think of some ways that we could make this work for so that it's good for both of us? And I'll do the same so that we're not just sitting there playing the blame game to each other. Oh, you did this. No, you did this. Oh, you said that. Oh, I didn't say that. Yes, you did. You know, that kind of thing. And so that it becomes a productive uh, conversation. And it's us coming up for it with a solution together, not me demanding a solution or him telling me, you know, it just it creates the the teamwork and the support aspect that I was so desperately seeking back then and I didn't have. So don't be afraid to advocate for yourself, even if the person that you're advocating against doesn't like what you have to say and they don't want to hear it. It's so important that you speak up for yourself regardless, because that allows you to start taking back your power. It allows you to start taking ownership of your needs and wants and not pushing them aside, not minimizing them, but really, truly owning them. Because if you're thinking and feeling a certain way, 
That is 100% valid. And don't let anyone discredit that. So if you found this episode helpful, please feel free to share it with a friend. The more the merrier. And if you would be so kind to leave a review, I would greatly appreciate it. I take the time to read all of the reviews to ensure that this podcast continues to be a place of support, a place of guidance, and really a resource, one-stop shop resource, because let's face it, us women, we have to stick together. So thanks so much for tuning into another episode of One of a Kind You, and I will see you next week.